Welcome to Whole Soul School and Foundations Literacy Chats. I'm Marie Moeller, and I'm an author and intuitive and a host of these beautiful podcast series. And I get the privilege of talking with amazing people and souls like Dr. Paul Panzica, who is back again with me today to explore a little further into the hero's journey, but more specifically, kind of the next steps. When we last spoke, we were talking about the language, we were talking about the hero's journey. We talked about asking bigger questions, right? And the courage to ask bigger questions because that bigger picture vision helps the hero in amazing ways in their journeys. And so I, I just first wanna welcome you and thank you for joining me today, Paul. And I wanna welcome our listeners and thank you all for joining us because we are all in this time of digging deeper and we're invited to get more curious about our lives and who we really are. And in many ways, tearing away the illusions of what we're not. And there's a big gap in between what we think we are and the identity that we've assumed or been conditioned into or a combination of those things and where we're really being called to evolve and grow and transform into a sense of moreness inside ourselves, into more of who we truly are. And so we thought we'd talk a little bit more about the mystery, the more of the unknown that people are being called to step into as we leave the ordinary lives that we've been living when we were more or less asleep spiritually, we can say on all levels of our being, but um, we are being called to look with a bigger picture and ask different questions, bigger picture questions. And we here we are, we're going to go on an adventure today and talk about some things. So Paul, where would you like to lead us a little bit in that conversation? Well, we, the last time that we spoke, we, we talked about um, the mythology of Oedipus and the uh, riddle of the Sphinx. And then um, realizing that, um, you know, we were the answer to the mystery. We are a mystery to ourselves. And so understanding the mystery and first of all, having the courage to ask the questions and then to seek the answers um, was the first step, I think, in the, in, in, in the hero's journey or in the process of ascending our consciousness. But the next step would be to begin to understand that um, you have the capacity to, um, to sense um, a, a deeper perspective of who you are. It just hasn't been very well developed or it has been available to us um, at a certain time in our life. And then at a certain time of our life, we were programmed to no longer pay attention to it. Mm. So, uh, through, uh, let's say, the, the development of ego and, and, and conventional ego development, um, we lost the capacity to understand and, and to see not only ourselves, but the world in, 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 a, in a broader perspective. And so um, I that's kind of, I think, really, you know, where is the jumping off point? What can we do um, as just normal Western people who um, are, are trying to break out of that paradigm, you know, you know, what can we do? And well, I guess we can, we can hire a guru and we can go 
you know, to the top of the Himalayas and we can meditate on a mountain for 20 years and maybe we'll come back and we'll, we'll have found the answer. But um, that's really not the Western way of doing things. We, we, are, we are victims of circumstance, so to speak, but we aren't really victims seems like we're victims, but we all chose to be here at this time under these circumstances. And it turns out that our life experience is really um, our best way to, to unlock these mysteries, but because they're right in front of our face. <clears throat> and so one of the ways that hierarchy exerts control over us is through conditioning. And, um, and, and what they do is they, they hide things in, in symbols. So you may be familiar with certain symbols and not know exactly the true meaning of those symbols. And so one of the, the things that we can do is, you know, we can look at, at things from a deeper perspective and the way that that's done is actually through art. And so our, our capacity to read art is extraordinarily important um, and in our, in our capacity then to see deeper into, um, let's say, symbols and the meanings behind those symbols. So it was one of the reasons why they attacked, um, you know, the arts within public education. They literally eviscerated and destroyed it so that you don't have the capacity to read things in a creative fashion or to see things in a creative fashion. That element of our education has been completely and utterly wiped out and marginalized right so um, children have the capacity to do this they're extraordinarily creative beings right and so they, they did some famous studies on this and they, they looked at um, children who were in kindergarten you know and they showed them a, an, an, you know, an animate object and they said okay think of all the different ways that you can use this inanimate object. And uh, we could say like, okay, it was like a, a pen or a paper clip or something like that, you know? <clears throat> and how, wh what, what can we do with that? And, you know, <clears throat> children at that level could think of dozens of things that they can do with that object. But by the time they get into the end of their formal education, by the time they get into their senior year in high school, they can only think of one it's or two applications right. for the object, right? So it shows that 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 there was there's been a lot of conditioning and controlling um, throughout your education, so that you don't creatively think anymore. And so 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 you know you've been programmed to seek only one answer that is as being is be, that you're being conditioned to seek. You know, I mean, you know, they can, what they do is they control the narrative so that there's only certain questions you can ask, you know, and then you are conditioned to seek those answers. But there's certain questions that are, that are just like not even contemplated or considered. And I had mentioned that before in the last lecture. So when you want to move out of the paradigm, when you want to go into a, a different state of knowing, um, you have to look at the world differently. <clears throat> so one of the first things that, that they taught us when I was training as a holistic physician was to take a common everyday household, or not household, but, but a common everyday thing and look at it in a different perspective. So 
in, in this instance, what we did is we looked at plants, <clears throat> a dandelion or a sunflower or a chamomile plant or nettles or whatever it was. It's something that you see as a weed. You see this a thistle. It's all around your house, right? So what you did for a week was get together in a small group and look at a plant. And you started, we started to look at the plant and, 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 the, and analyze it in the greatest detail humanly possible, right? And so we looked at that dandelion plant or we looked at the thistle plant and we, we, we drew it, you know, and we looked at all the minutial details of it. But then we started applying different principles to the plant. You know, if this plant was a person, how would you think this plant would act or what qualities would that plant have as a person, you know? And so, so we, start, we start expanding our awareness of the plant after we look at where it exists, you know, does it like sun? Does it like dry weather? Does it like hot weather? Does it like cool weather? You know, all of these little minutial details, are there any bugs that live on the plant or any other animals that inhabit the plant? And then we start going into characteristics of the plant that we would never think of. Characteristics that may be related to animals or other levels of intelligence that the plant may actually harbor. <clears throat> and we did this very methodically, you know, and at the end of the experience, you know, after about five to six days, we started coming up with a completely different perspective on this, on the plant that we were studying. And furthermore, we were able then to um, ascribe functions based on the characteristics that we were unlocking from the plant regarding healing aspects of the plant. We called it the plant exercise. And quite frankly, it was at the beginning of this program, the most unpopular, you know, exercise because, you know, we were, you know, big egotistical physicians and stuff like that. And we we're like, this is a waste of time, right? This is ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. You're looking up in a book. But you know what? It became my, my favorite experience because it, it, you, you, it started, you looked at the plant as a reference mm. and you started to realize that the plant harbors energies that are hidden within it. Mm. Not just that plant, all of those plants within, within, within that family, within, within, within that species. And so by the end, without looking at any references, we were able to, as a small group, understand the healing qualities of that plant. And we are extremely accurate in being able to determine historically and currently what the function of the plant was. And quite frankly, you can come up with new functions to that plant, you know? And so the plants became like, they, 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 they brought with them or they unlocked the, the personalities, the characteristics that, that the plants carried with them. You know, the plants have intel great intelligence. It's just that, the, that that intelligence is buried under the soil, literally. That's where the neurological systems are at. So you don't see it and, you, and they're kind of reversed um, from a human being. So, um, so that's one way of looking, right, at nature and at the world and being able then to see um, truths 
in a or 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 hidden information, you know, that's that's hiding in plain sight, right? And so so if you were to look at another person, for instance, you know, one of the things that are the challenges that we have, not just as a, a physician, but at, in in a personal, you know, relationship or exchange you know, with, a, with another person in regarding just ideas or, you know, as a in friendship or whatever intimate relationship you may have with somebody or just in the workplace, you know, you're dealing with far more than just a two-dimensional or three-dimensional person. You know, you're dealing with very powerful energies that are harbored within a very complex soul. And, you know, we are, as they say, you know, we're multi-dimensional beings. And so, how do we start unlocking the capacities to be able to sense that multidimensionality is really, I think, really one of the places that we can start by looking not just as ourselves, but everything around us as having multidimensions and multidimensionality. And we have to start learning how to become familiar with that. So... Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it was just what you shared was brilliant. I mean, I'm I love when you take something like you said, an object, whether it's as simple as a pen, and you are children can come up with those thousands and thousands and thousands of other uses. And I even had that experience when I was in middle school because I was in something called Olympics of the Mind. Have you heard of that before? Anyways, kind of like a we were invited to, we had even to get into this class, you know, this is also the grouping of kids in schools, which is a whole other conversation, but some kids were selected to test to get into this program. And I was one of those kids that was selected and, and I was in that program for sixth, seventh and eighth grade. And to even take the test, a big part of the test was, I can't even remember, it was like an oval shape, almost like an egg on a piece of paper. And I think the instruction was, can you add to this in any way and tell us basically what this is? And some people would just look at that and say, well, it's an egg, right? Or it's an oval and that's it. And those kids, just by the nature of those responses would not have been accepted into the program. Right. But right. I don't know, I think I made some kind of strange alien Martian out of it and had a whole story to go, go with it. Right. And that was my right. pass into uh, this world, but it was the same thing. And part of the Olympics of the mind competitions, that's something that our group did, you had to solve these very creative problems and mm -hmm. you got points for doing those things. But another part of those, I guess you would call them competitions, Olympics of the mind competitions was that there were kids, like maybe five kids out of your team would go into a room and literally there would be either words given or objects shown and you had to give and it had to go out and you had like, you know, there was a timer and you had to go around your team and it would just pass from one to the next to the next where you had to give an alternative use for that item, just like what you said. So, and it was amazing how at that age, even though you had all the middle school pressure, we still could do those things. You know, we still had that capacity. And then, you know, more, you, more high school comes and you're trying to get into the right college and to get the right degree, to get the right job and all of those things. And we funnel it down and distill it down to maybe there's one path, one answer. And we lose this 
I think you were talking about, I don't know if we named it yet, but these super sensibilities that you're talking about accessing and how do we cultivate a connection with those that helps us see beyond what's right in front of our face or what we think this object is. How can we open up those creative energies to flow inside us again? They're there, it's just the faucet sometimes has been turned off. Yeah. Right. So absolutely. Please continue. Well, you know, <clears throat> this this kind of it suggests that you know we should have a conversation. It's it's it would lead us right into the direction that I wanted to go. <clears throat> but when I have this conversation, I really upset people, mm. and it's something that I used to do when um, I was teaching. You know, and I and I up until the lockdown, I I was actively teaching. So. Um, it has to do with art. So let's just let's just have this discussion. So you can go to um, our the fairest city that I live next to, which is Chicago. It's a beautiful city, and and it is known for its art and its architecture, and it's a it's a major city. It has a it has a major institute. It's called the Art Institute of Chicago. So. And during the like late 1800s, all these industrialists, wealthy industrialists who lived in Chicago, were 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 like scanning the globe, um, and and accumulating all of this, all of these, all this art. They were robbing or stealing or buying whatever it was. But you want to see a really amazing Van Gogh display? We have it. It's in Chicago. Um, because he couldn't give away his paintings, you know. So all the all the stuff that's in there is just amazing. But so you go into the Art Institute, and there's five thousand years of human expression um, that's displayed there. So you start at one end and you work your way through ancient the ancient art artifacts and and sculptures and all kinds of stuff that's there. And as you work your way through that, you know, you start moving through different eras of, of, of human development. It's a, it's a direct reflection of human development, um, our, our consciousness, our, our development. And so you, you, go, you go through all of these different times, uh, these different ages of human development and different um, sub ages and, and, uh, and, 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 and as the human mind, as the ego starts to develop, and you do go through all kinds of amazing things. Uh, you go through ancient art, and then you go through the impressionists, and then you know you you get into um, like the kind of like the modern art. You know, you go through all of this, and then you get into modern art, and then you get into postmodern art. So postmodern modern art, and so by the end of the experience, what you have. In the last gallery that they have there, is um, like um, blank canvases. You have a canvas that's all white with somebody's signature on it, or you have a canvas that has three colors on it with somebody's signature. Not only do they have the signature on it, they also have the brand name of the paint that they used on the canvas. And so at one instance that we were there, there was, there was a room and the room had 
an empty bench in the middle of the room. It's a large room. And it had white fluorescent lighting in the room. And that was the display. That was the art display. So that was, so, so what has occurred from the time that we were looking at 5,000 years of human expression till we get to this point. So if I wanted to illustrate this a little bit more, this is what I would say. I would say that, um, I, you know, we used to, we used to love to seek it out, you know, and they, and they used to have all kinds of different fairs and art galleries and these types of things. And so th there was a, there was a, um, um, an art exhibition that was being um, done in one of the neighborhoods. It was one of the, at that time, the neighborhood was kind of like economically depressed. And in order for them to try to give it a boost, they rented out a lot of empty storefronts uh, along a couple of city blocks. And then they brought the artists in. And then the artists then were, were, were you know, showing, showing their art, they were displaying their art within those galleries. And it turned out that my wife had a very good friend who was an artist who had one of those galleries. So it was like, right, let's, let's go. So we went. And so we went and we saw you know, a lot of things that were not too impressive. And then again, I saw this one gallery where there was a guy that was just painting giant canvases, like almost like the size of a wall. And he was painting them, he was rolling them out with latex paint. And he was just doing like two or three colors on them. And that was his art display, you know? And, um, and so we saw a lot of stuff like that. It was just like, it was, you know, I've seen it all before. You want to see it go to the Art Institute. It's, it's there in the postmodern section. Finally, we get to the last display. And in the last display, we saw, I saw something that was just astounding. So they, what the artist had done they had they had created like a, like a false wall or backdrop, and then painted it completely white. Then took a wheelbarrow and went out to the back of the of the of the building, and took a shovel and just shoveled in a whole bunch of like broken cinder blocks and dirt, and then wheeled it back into the studio, and dumped the wheelbarrow on its side, stuck a shovel in the, in the, in the, in the rubbish pile, rubble, rubble pile of rubble, and then took a black, um, in black paint with about a two inch paintbrush and wrote dirt all over the, maybe about four times on the white canvas. And that was this, this display, right? That was display. <clears throat> so the question, that I was going to ask, or now always ask, is, is that art? Hmm. That's the question. This would infuriate my students. <clears throat> hmm. So that's the question that I'm going to ask. Is that art? Right? So you may be surprised at my answer. My yeah. answer is it is. It is art. And my students invariably said that it was, but they couldn't tell me why. Mm. 
that was the point. Why is it art? And we've come to a, a point in our existence where most people don't understand it anymore. They have no comprehension of what art is. And um, they defer that, let's say, power or capacity to discern it to an alleged expert to tell them that it is, you see. So they, they've lost the capacity or the interest in seeing um, a hidden meaning within the exhibition or, or whatever medium is being, is being created to convey the message. So what I would say that is this, I would say that the, the dirt exhibition is art and I would say that the sterile room with, um, with the fluorescent lighting and a bench is art. But what, and I would say that the white canvas is art, at least initially it was. But what is it demonstrating to us? And that's the question. And I would say that for me, it's demonstrating how impoverished the human soul has become to consider those expressions as art. And so in the mundane plane of existence, you know, um, virtually anything goes. I mean, I always used to make this joke and I used to say, all right, well, listen, before I would answer, before you answer the question, let's have the artist who did the, um, the wheelbarrow and the and the and the um, and the dirt ex expression. Invite him over to your house, and let him explain to you why it is or isn't art. Yeah. And in the process of this happening, he brings over his 18-month-old toddler, who's wearing a diaper. And in the process of doing this, his 18-month-old toddler reaches into his diaper and pulls out some feces and smears it on the wall. And so question is, is, is that art, right? Oh. So some people would say that art is, is, a human ex, is any human expression and any expression. human expression valid. So that's usually the answer. And so then I say, okay, so now junior, uh, the junior artist comes to the house and smears feces on the wall. Question, is it art? Now, no one wants to make uh, a, 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 let's say, um, a judgment call on that because they might be stifling somebody else's human expression, right? But for some people, it's art. And for other people, it's feces on the wall, hmm. right? So what's the difference? You know, how do we determine art? And, and, and so there usually is a hidden meaning behind an artistic expression. And artistic expression, as I would define it, would be something that we bring from a higher dimensional realm and then try to bring it back into the physical world and try to express it in any medium that we see fit. The thing is, is that the art has to be charged with 
some kind of energy that we have obtained through a journey of some type or some sort into a higher realm or what we would say in a, to a higher sensibility, a super sensible state. And this usually doesn't happen until we go into the astral realms or until we go into the higher realms beyond that into the, into the spiritual realms. They say that in those realms is where true is where truth is, is, is objectively conveyed. You see, I can have an experience in the spiritual realm and you can have an experience in the spiritual realm. And the language that is, it, it, the spiritual realm uses is, is many times archetypal and it can be experiential and visual or all other types of experiences. It's, it's called synesthesia, synesthetic. All of the senses blend together. Wow. So you have a really intense experience. Now I want to share this with others in the, when I wake up from that state or when I'm no longer in that state. So then I would create a, an expression to convey it. In the physical. In the physical realm. It could be a poem. It could be a song. It could be, um, you know, a picture. It could be a sculpture. It could be, you know, some kind of a... a a, a, a video or a movie or whatever it is, you know, but, but, but true art, in my opinion, would have to be something that was inspired in a, within a higher realm. If it's not, for instance, inspired in that higher realm, you see, there's one guy that painted a blank pa painting uh, canvas and he signed it. That was the true artist, whoever that was, but you can go to any postmodern art exhibition in virtually every major city in the United States and see the blank canvas. So everyone who comes after him is just mimicking what the original guy did, right? And right. so so that's that is a that is that's that's a mundane or a lower expression of art, you know. I mean in the there 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 it has to do with our level of consciousness. So if our level of consciousness is still on a physical plane, not only will we, you know, accept somebody else's expert opinion of what art is, but we can hide meaning within the expression. Hmm. If you can't read the expression, you're told what the expression means and you accept it. Hmm. That's how plain, that's how truth hides in plain sight through expression that somebody has created that only somebody else who knows the true meaning of that because they can read it at a, at a higher level in a, in a, in a, a more higher level um, let's say at an occult level in the word occult just means hidden um, that's how they hide these things in plain sight from you they tell you you know it's raining outside it's not raining somebody's urinating on your back you know and so 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 that's you know that's what we're dealing with right now at this time we have to be able to be able to discern meaning that's that's deeper that's hidden within these symbols that are constantly being shown to us and um that's that's the easiest way to start in looking at meanings of things and a deeper sense or sensibility into things 
um, by the symbols um, that are that are remain that are hiding in plain sight. They do this with movies. They do this with songs. They do this with 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 just archaic symbols. It's all there, you know. If you were able to see the hidden meaning behind it, see the layerings in the symbology that are there. The layers, layerings in the symbology are in fact there yes yeah they're they're deep it, it's it is it's so it's so powerful and it's a for me and i'd be curious to hear from you paul if you were always seeing this way or if this was something where you recognized in yourself that that this ability this these super sensibilities went dormant for a while but for me i think it was always there but there was a nourishing that happened, a cultivation and acknowledgement and awareness, and then a playfulness, I think inside myself, or certainly a curiosity that nurtured this natural organic ability that we all have, but I started engaging with it more. And it's amazing how it rewards you for just witnessing and knowing that it's there. I think one of the first ways that I, I discovered some of the symbology was early on in my spiritual awakening. And I heard about animal totems. That was a way that it, it came through for me. And so I think some of my mentors or teachers, whether they were in person or in books, it didn't matter. They were planting seeds in my awareness that if a, and it happens to me all the time. So I'll use this example, red-tailed hawks often find me right? It's a messenger for me. And I often look up as even though I know the red tailed hawks messages, many of them, but there's always more symbology to uncover. And I feel like when they're, when they come close to me or they literally sometimes, I had one just a few weeks ago, maybe it was a couple of months ago in my backyard, literally fly right over my shoulder, like, like that close. And it wasn't aggressive. It was it was on a path going somewhere else, but that symbology and that interaction and that connection wasn't lost on me. Somebody else might've said, Ooh, that was freaky or, you know, and, and brushed it aside or, or, or um, written it off in some way. But I knew it was a message. I knew that Hawk flew into my experience to give me that message. And it was up to me to listen was Hawk talking about there's more illusion coming and we have work to do? Was it, you know, was it a, a message of strength and courage and boldness in the face of these times? That's up for us, like you would with a piece of art, to listen and discern within on what what that interaction, what that experience was all about. And I think people can have the same same experience with art. But like you also said, it's been conditioned out of us, right? That we're not supposed to be doing those things, right? Maybe that's a waste of our time. And we're just looking for what the answer is. You didn't say this, but I'd imagine, I don't go to many art museums, but I'd imagine at the exhibit, is there a little plaque, something introducing the artwork? And does it define the art or is it literally left up to the, the witnesses experience, the person experiencing the art? There's just usually an identification of the artist and artist. the history of the artist. And then 
there's usually it's up to the individual who's you know who's who's viewing it to interpret what the meaning is you know unless you're with like uh you know you're on an official tour or something like that and then somebody may 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 point out some some things but it's it's a it's a place to truly get lost you know spending just depends on where your level of consciousness is you can spend an entire day or you know um my brother actually went to school there um they actually have it's an institute so he spent four years there um and 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 so the 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 capacity to you know to be influenced or to to seek meaning in those expressions of infinite literally it's infinite so that's part of the human collective and that's part of our, our collective consciousness it's there and how amazing is it when people have it's have lost this ability to see with this deeper vision and to connect on a deeper level with that multi-dimensional conversation or the layers of art and the messages that come through to all of us including commercials also on on tv and the advertisements and they've known this for forever right even if they're not talking about their brand but it flashes on the screen a couple of times these are all the ways things get messaged to us or like you said it's the symbology in the pattern of something on someone's clothes right but it doesn't necessarily there's not arrows pointing right to it it's these subtle forms of symbology where the world is communicating with us all the time whether it's through an animal messenger or it's through this artwork and when you don't know that that means these messages are, are impressing upon your conscious awareness and you have no idea. And I think that's also part of these times is we have to, to wake up because we are such powerful beings. And when we're not awake to the symbology of the language and the ways things are conditioned into us or messaged into us, um we can say we're these victims but we're we're actually no matter what we are we are these creators and we can be creators that are kind of sleeping in our journey and don't you know that this is only a pen right but we've seen i don't know is it macgyver that that tv character that he could make mm -hmm. this like you know i don't know into a bomb right not to say that that's a good thing either but on his show he was always like racing time and using common common items in our in our everyday lives to solve big things and be a hero of the show. And I think we are being asked to look at things very differently like you were looking at the plant. You know, when you first probably started that that exercise, the plant exercise, I can totally identify with what you said where you're kind of looking around this is a little strange and you want the assignment to be over but actually when you indulge it and you engage with it it is amazing what comes isn't it it is amazing what starts to emerge in this interaction i suppose with the plant because it's like plant communication and then there's another level of communication going on between you and your fellow students your colleagues something happens because we're all wired to do this when you hear and see and touch and feel and all the senses when you go to the next level it's amazing how much richer the conversations become if you would simply allow yourself to have them so yes i mean imagine paul if somebody was given that task if we said right now in our podcast everybody we recommend that you go get a dandelion plant 
right? And sit with it <laughs> and listen for what it's trying to tell you. Yeah, go ahead. No, it works better in a group. You need, you, it works better in a group. You need a group of people to do that. At least three people. You know, at least three at people. I would, yeah, for sure. It's, it's, and, and, it's, and you have a mentor to guide you through it, but it really is an incredible, incredibly enriching experience to be able to do that. You did develop a much stronger appreciation, not just for plants in general, but for those, you know, all of the plants that grow around us have value. Even if we consider them weeds, they have healing qualities and healing properties and they have personalities. And it connects you closer to Gaia and the energies of the earth. Then you start to realize that they're, you know, they're your friends. They're 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 alive and you know they're they're part of the biosphere, part of they're enrich our lives, you know. So that that's a hidden, that's a hidden experience. Mm. As a child, you may actually have, I mean, I had a very strong affinity to trees as a child, as a young adult, that I still do. But I, I didn't know why. You know, I grew up near uh, on the edge of an oak forest, an old growth oak forest. So I was enamored by the trees. But th that does exist. You know, you know that the connection is there. You know, it's just in, at a at a at a a more basic level, a, a less um, egotistically evolved level. It's it's at a heart level, and it's there. You know, we have that connection. Right. You had. Yeah, you had mentioned something though about um, how they can use this against you in the, in the symbology. And one of the things that we really should discuss is, is the symbology or the programming that goes, that, that is occurring through symbols um, through the media. Yes. And I'm gonna tell you right now that there's no way to avoid not being affected by that. You can be, you know, you completely and utterly, um, you know, aware of what's going on. But, but if you're, um, if you are exposed to that type of programming, it's going to eventually have a seed itself inside of you. The only way that you can stop it is to turn your back to it and and, no, and don't watch it, or don't or engage in it. And that's extremely Eight. difficult for people living in this culture, in this society right now, to completely and utterly disengage from the technology and from the programming that's occurring. And that's the only thing that saved me was that, because we, we don't allow that you know, in, our, in our living space. But if I'm somewhere where it exists, I'm completely glued to the screen. There's just nothing you can do to stop it. They, they have gone to great lengths to charm us and to hypnotize us and to subliminally program us through, I mean, there's a lot of artistic expressions and a lot of artistic endeavors that go into the mind control, mm -hmm. which is programming the way that, not, not just the way that we think, but how we feel at a subconscious level. Right. And so it's extremely damaging to the human soul. And so the only way that you can, which you, which you could, the only way that you can combat that is to just drop it, walk away from it, which is exceedingly difficult now for people these days. Well, it's interesting what you're talking about too, about how the subliminal 
the messaging systems and it's subtle and it's not so subtle. I, I, there are gas stations, as you probably well know, when you used to be able to just go pump your own gas and be in your own thoughts. But now you have you seen that, that these things there's screens all over the place. You go to restaurants, there's screens, you go to the gas station, there's screens, go to the doctor's office, screens, go to the dentist's office, there's screens. Everywhere you go, there's screens. It's it's like a radical act to do what you said, which is to turn these things off and not have them in your in your living space. And that's a lifestyle choice. That's just the way that you've chosen to be able to connect with your spirit and think and grow and nourish yourself in a world like this. Other people would make different choices, but these are the things we also are facing, right? These are choices we're making if we are even awake to the fact that it's it's coming through our devices 24/7. It's there's no rest for this the messages that are coming through and if this was a more evolved consciousness on the planet then everything at least if it was 24/7 like that it would be to manifest even greater harmony. But look at our world Talk about symbology. If you just open your eyes, does all this messaging, is it bringing us closer together? Is it making us more collaborative? Do we feel even more love and connection with our neighbor and our friends and our family members? Or is the messaging that we're hearing, in fact, doing something subliminally, subconsciously, and in some ways, very overtly, the hidden, the, the truth is hidden in plain sight is pushing us further and further away from each other and ourselves, our own spirit, right? Our own spirit, we can be very disconnected. And it's such a gift when we think about these things, make these lifestyle choices that peer deeper into artwork or look deeper into the intention and the inspiration of a project and also just nature. I mean, that's one of my easiest ways to connect with the symbology whether it's a wind or an, a particular animal, some animals I don't see much at all. And then they'll, when they show up and they don't show up very often, I'm like, oh, I get it. <laughs> You're giving me a message. And I know to pay attention. When I see things like that, and, and the messages have been so clear and so accurate, even if I didn't understand them the day I had the visit with a particular insect or animal or whatever it was, it always comes back later. I'm like, that's what the chameleon was saying. That's what the cockroach was indicating to me, right? I've had an ant problem, you know, in our house this year that I haven't had like this before. And I'm still listening for what that particular issue or message is. And I think when we podcasted last time, I was talking to you, it's been like the, the season of insects for, for my house. I think they're thriving because they're reproducing and multiplying and they're working together, um, these creatures. And I have uh, stinging insects on my porch. They, I can't even figure out where they're coming from, but somewhere on my porch, they keep breeding and they keep coming, but they don't breed and like fly outside my porch. No, no, no. When they breed and they multiply, they're inside. So these yellow jackets are inside my porch. I listen for what those messages are, right? I'm listening. And, and I think that's a theme that's been in a number of our podcasts. There's something that lines the hero's journey. 
I think a lot of people who wouldn't identify as being in the hero's journey or on this spiritual path, whatever language people use, because of all the messaging going on and it's so it bombards our system and now it's so full time that we do have to pay attention and listen for what we're listening to. Who are we listening to? Who is the messenger of these messages? And I think that's why I love the messages in nature, because I assume the divine design is messaging me, right? There's a message from the mystery. There's a message from the planet. There's a message from creation. And then I listen differently when it's coming through my devices, when it's coming through my phone or my laptop. It's a podcast. People are listening to our podcast. They could say, what's the symbology in this podcast about symbology? right? But these are good questions to be asking ourselves. I purposefully put this up. It's, it's, a, it's a painting and it's kind of a collage that a friend of mine uh, did a number of years ago. And I can't remember exactly how she came to give it to me, but it was a gift. And it was something that had been sitting in her studio and needed a home and she gave it to me. But when there was this energy of red October, and I think we're still traveling with that to some extent, I felt this energy of like that full moon energy. I see those leaves. You can kind of see behind me. It's like you can look deeper and deeper into art. And just like I can into the animal messages, too easy things to look deeper in people's lives and get a little curious about. I don't think I had really noticed that the leaves that maybe are, might be indicating like a fall autumnal season are also releasing and liberating as hearts. It feels like kind of rising hearts to me in some way. Somebody else would look at that and see something different. But we get to play with that and how many people give themselves permission to explore these things and even have these conversations. You and I entertain them. It's probably why we're good friends, Paul. But And a lot of people don't. But think about all the slices of their lives that they're missing. They might only be seeing like one tiny slice of a much bigger picture that is trying to communicate with all of us. Very powerful what we're talking about, the symbology and the, and the super sensibilities. And I, I just wanted to say one more thing. Some people listening to this, I don't know if you're familiar, Paul, there's a teacher and a speaker, uh, author named Sonia Choquette. And one of her big messages, at least in the last 10, 20 years, and where she started writing, was speaking to these six sensories. She'd say, hey, six sensories. You know, she's, she's talking all about trusting your vibes and, and learning this language of communicating and connecting with yourself at a deeper level. And for some people listening to something like this, it's just too weird. It's too out there. Like who would want to have a conversation with themselves or with a hawk or with a painting or a plant? And for people like us that I think are just a little bit further in the awakening journey in that um, remembering more of who we are, to me, that's exactly where I need to go because that's where the richness and the marrow of my life exists. It's not in the mundane world. It's like what you said, the artist brings it from this other realm and paints it into this world, right? That's where for me, life gets a whole lot more exciting. And where I start to go to sleep or you know, feel fatigued, it's when this is just a pen. Like that tired, <laughs> that can be fatiguing for my system that loves the bigger picture, right? loves listening for more. 
uh, of what it wants to, to ex express to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the deeper <clears throat> the deeper you go into it, um, into the in, into this subtle, it's extremely subtle, super sensible realm. You start realizing that <clears throat> there isn't really a such thing as a coincidence like we were taught, but these are synchronicities. This is the way that the universe is um, is is um, not just communicating to us, but we're entangled within the within it our consciousness is entangled within the universe so <clears throat> if we think things um it's it's um it's like a, it's where we're in we're in balance i think maybe that's the right way to say it and the universe reflects you know what we think and and um and we may be also influenced by you know our dreams and, and uh, what the universe is trying to tell us so you know, we have a higher self that's behind the veil, and that and that higher self can communicate to us. Once we open ourselves up to that communication, it's as simple as taking a breath, mm. and simply is just you're lowering your guard. You're 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 letting your ego, you're letting Relax. go, and you're relaxing, and you're and you're learning how to breathe, and you're learning no longer to fight the program or to fight the impulses or the or these deeper thoughts or these deeper experiences because your ego has been conditioned to block them out is what what's really happened so right. so, so so as you allow the experiences to begin to unfold there's usually in my experience or the narrative that that you know that led me down a, a certain path but you know i'm, I'm you know, constantly looking for these, you know, these these ripples in the in the matrix, mm. right? These things that just stand out, and you go, "Oh, that's that's not a coincidence. That's just <clears throat> something's trying to communicate." You know, I and I just you just have to let that understand it for what it is, and, and let go of any kind of judgment on it, or judge. You know, the most important thing is you can't judge yourself. For believing something like that wasn't important, because it, even if it, even it, it, your initial impressions, we teach positions, you know, and that in, it, in itself, just looking at it from a holistic healing perspective, we won't get time to talk about that. But um, your impressions are about ninety percent right. Your first impression. Yes. So what your first impression was was not your ego. We're trying to re 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 or convince you that your first impression wasn't right, but usually your first impression is coming from a deeper state of consciousness, and that's something that we all carry within us. So <clears throat> that's something we might want to talk about very, you know, at, at some point too, where we can can have a discussion about it. Is you know what is the center of consciousness? Where does it exist within the human being? Yeah. You know. right right for most people it's their brain it's it's their it's their it's their head you know it's it's the mind it's the neurosensory system and that's where we're locked into those five senses mm. you know we our sense of touch and our sense of smell and our sense of taste and our sense of hearing and our sense of sight is all locked into the neurosensory system 
that there's other senses. There's other organs of sensation that exist. And it's very elegant. And it's, again, one of these things that just is hiding in plain sight. It's, all, it's been there forever. You just don't understand that. So the, 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 another sensation is emotion. Yes. Feeling. Feeling, emotion. That's another, that's another, that's where we start going into our deeper, super sensible states of consciousness. And so we can easily connect from a person who considers themselves to be empathetic or, uh, and, you know, intuitive. They're, they're not, their center of consciousness is not their head. It's not their mind. It's not their brain. It's, it's, somewhere, it's somewhere else. Mm. And so what we're trying to achieve in, at this time is to shift the reference. It's as simple as that. The brain is an awesome thing, you know, and your sensations are they're awesome. But it's really locked into the physical plane of things. We're now trying to move out of the physical plane and trying to become aware of, we, we exist in the other planes. We always have. It's just that we're developing an awareness of that, of that plane, you know, and an awareness that always existed. So we're trying to move into a more balanced state of awareness. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. It does make sense. And I think there's a, we talked about emotions and our feelings. It's another sensory aspects of us that can inform us if we'll allow it in. And the big word that came to me early on in my journey was that we are sentient beings, sentience. We are beings that feel. That's the universal language to me. It is in our sentience. It's, abil it's our ability to connect without even necessarily having conversation. Uh, that that happens with very intuitive and empathic people. I think that's what happens with me with the animals that I connect with and, and my own animals. I can tell you very clearly that they impress in my consciousness the very things that they want and they don't even have to move, right? They, because right. they're already connected into that sentient network of communication. Right. And, and if they don't get my attention by day, they'll come in there in my dreams. And, and I think we, we may have touched on this, but I have many experiences with my animals coming into my dreams. If I wasn't hearing them clearly during the day, they say, okay, well then I'll just have to reach her on a different line, right? A different communication, different channel. And I, I even had something which was a pretty extraordinary experience. I had a one of my cats who passed away a year ago, he, he had, I did not know when I went to bed, he had gotten caught in the garage. And so he was, he must've gotten out through our kitchen door that connects him with our garage that was closed, but he was in the garage all night. And I don't have many dreams that I remember, but I had the most, I felt like, um, you know, the princess in the pea, the most restless sleep. And all night long, I was dreaming I saw my cat in the dream and he was in distress and agitated and irritated. And he sent kind of a hawk to kept like pecking at me. Um, and he knows I'm connected with the hawks. And I, I felt him showing me that if, if you don't get up, I'm gonna eat the hawk. And, and it disturbed me enough that I woke up and I instantly knew as soon as I woke up, I thought, Halo, my cat is, is trapped in the garage. 
And I went and that's exactly where he was. And he was communicating with me in the dream time because he didn't get my attention before bed. Like I'm sure he thought it was kind of fun to be in the garage for like a couple of minutes or an hour. But after that, he wanted his bed in a safe place. <laughs> and, and they used this, this language that animals are so, so highly connected into the sentience and this telepathy telepathic communication, the sentience that we have and we are, and they don't have to move their lips because it's even more powerful than necessarily sound in that way, right? It travels at the speed of light. I didn't even, I don't ever question now. I've had so many experiences. It's so real when messages and the symbology of things like that come through my sentient energy field. It's a knowing. That's part of the knowing. And we're languaging a number of things here today. We've talked about symbology. We're talking about sentience and feelings and all of your sensory systems, right? There's, there's many, many things that you, you learn. And this is all part of literacy chats is just seeding in people's awareness that there's more than meets the eye. There is way more than what our physical senses can see. And until we get curious or we have a catalyst in our experience, sometimes it can be you and I both know this, we can be triggered into getting curious. We can be scared. We can have a health scare. We can have a financial scare. Sometimes we get curious because of those things pushing us forward, right, to expand our connection. And um, for some people where they're not feeling pushed or, or, you know, they're not being triggered in some way. They might listen to something like this and say, that's interesting and still not be at a place where they want to open yet, but they'll dip their toes into podcasts like this because likely so I think this kind of expansionary experience and the expression you talk about with the art, right? We are being summoned into a renaissance of consciousness. And I love how we did bring art in here and the spirituality because art and spirituality are meant to be in communication. And when they do, that's when you really are moved by something that is truly artistic, that is really art. When there's soul inside it, when there's a message inside, somebody has retrieved something from the other worlds and is giving this to humanity for all of us to play with those energies. And the world's pretty flat and dry and mundane and, and we need those things too. But if that's all someone's living in, it's very hard to perceive the messaging systems that are going on all around us that this is a living universe and you miss it because you just don't speak the language, right? And then you, you're more apt to be a victim of it. You're more apt to be a victim of your life when you are not a conscious creator in your life and conscious creators need language. They need to decode and begin to value and appreciate symbology. And they need to value the journey at some point. You start to realize, like, I think I am on a journey. And there's purpose to that journey. And I find it really exciting when people um, hear some of this, these messages coming through people like you and I, Paul. Uh, we've lived this way for some time. And we're still learning. I mean, there's still, I know, much more to the adventure yet to be lived. But your, your life has a whole lot more meaning in it when you are cultivating the language and engaging with energy, with symbology, 
and with the messages that do, they're always finding us. If you'll open your eyes to see it. And also if you don't write it off as weird, somebody else might've had that experience like I have with my cat in my dream in the garage and said, that's so bizarre and retold it to a couple friends to write it off, right? To make sure it's being dismissed. That was weird. A lot of people say weird when they can't make heads or tails of it. And I think a better word or better phrase might be that's really curious or that's really interesting because when it's interesting, you're open to what it means for you. When you say it's weird or bizarre, you're taking the same scenario and you're trying to shut it out and lock the door and throw away the key right? We can't be locking doors and throwing away keys right now. We need this guidance system, right? It's a compass. A lot of what we're talking about is also a compass. There's so many threads to things we will follow up on and talk about. But did you want to add something more today, Paul, to what I just shared in our conversation before we close things out? Well, well that, that, that's a conditioned response. So the ego has been conditioned to um, dismiss those subtle clues and those subtle communications as nonsense. And so we have to, at some point, acknowledge that um, <clears throat> there is a higher level of intelligence that goes beyond the ego's capacity. And once you start experiencing it through these super sensible experiences or these multi-dimensional experiences, that should demonstrate convincingly that the ego is not what it tells you that it is. It's not, it's, it, 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 it really has become important. The ego is an extremely important tool. Don't get me wrong. And the ego is needed to make sense out of experiences, but the ego should not be functioning to block out experiences. So what we're looking for is almost like a reversal of consciousness. Mm -hmm. That consciousness doesn't flow from conditioned ego because right. that's what it does. And, and so, but somebody's conditioning you or, 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 or programming the, the information into you. So now you have something more insidious that's programming the way you think and, and it's more or less established the supremacy of this type of egotistical thinking. Unfortunately, that's secular. That's secular and it's related to secular science and secular, all kinds of secular issue. That's, that's what we have, to, we, have to, we have to break through that form of conditioning. And then what we have to do is we have to accept the fact that intelligence flows in the opposite direction. It flows from the super sensible realm or the higher realm or the spiritual realm or the astral realm um, in, a, in a different direction. And so there is extraordinarily important truths mm. that um, are conveyed to us by what? Well, spiritual elements. I mean, they could ultimately your higher self is communicating to you from behind this, this, this um, illusion of separation. So it's subtle, and, 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 and in that way, you have to train yourself to um, disengage your um, egotistical mind. And, and in a sense, that is a form of, of, um, of meditation. Um, I would say the Western form of meditation is, is contemplation, free 
inquiry thinking is extraordinarily important in all of this, but not to be um, constrained by the conditioning that's been occurring for hundreds and hundreds of years. So you have to be able to dis disengage yourself from all the conditioning and to learn to take the lead from really uh, ultimately the heart. The heart is an organ of intelligence. So the heart does have connections to the brain from a much deeper level, but the heart and the, you know, I mean, I don't want to get stuck in that argument of whether it's the heart or the brain, it's the heart. The heart is an organ of intelligence. And, and, and so the, the, we are developing it. You know, it's interesting that the heart is an extraordinarily unique organ in our body and all of the function that it does, but it's muscle structures, it's, it's, it's muscular structure, but it's also, it contains tremendous amounts of, 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 um, of, of nerve tissue. So it is an organ of intelligence. It's also the only involuntary muscle that's voluntary, meaning that it's striated muscle, which means it has the potential for um, voluntary action. So it is both involuntary and voluntary. So we're learning um, very quickly that we can control our heart to a much, much, much higher degree. And we do this all the time, by the way through um, negative reinforcement, through negative processes. So what they're doing is they're instilling fear upon you and they're inst instilling uncertainty and they're instilling darkness within your soul. And that's a direct attack on your heart. Wow. It, it is. And, and this is the major reason why people have hardening of their arteries. It's because they're, they're hardening, ossification, is related to egotistical stimulation or overstimulation of the nervous system. So this is what it's related to. So yeah, we're 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 developing um, a, a heart-based consciousness that's free from the programming, and and then through that is where our higher dimensional self communicates to us. And so that's what we're working at. And, and, and how we unlock ourselves or how we, we, we escape the imprisoning forces is through, again, these are understanding true artistic expressions and, and going back to the moments or the times that we were children, we had genius capacities and creativity that we don't have anymore. So we have to go back to that. We have to allow ourselves to be able to live from our hearts again and in that creation of states that we had as children. We were geniuses as children. We are finding that again, aren't we? It's, it's uh, the ego mind, like you said, it was never intended to lead and be our compass. It was meant to receive the instructions from the heart and be an actionable force inside us um, but it's, we're in an upside down and inside out world right now. And we have to untangle that pretzel to liberate ourselves. And we have to also remember and relearn that just because the ego is louder, doesn't mean it's right. You know, the heart is softer. It's sensitive. It's sentient. It doesn't need to yell or scream or, 
um, you know, create all kinds of fear events inside you. The heart is graceful. And just that energy of grace, it is more subtle than the loud mechanisms and machinations of the ego. And so most people are so busy putting out the fires that their egos are signaling to them all the time that they're distracted most of the time. And the messaging from the matrix, we can say that, is you know, in the programming and the conditioning of our world in the upside downness that it's been, you know, the ego is, it's just louder. And I think, but that's why going out in nature or turning your devices off, even if it's for 10 minutes, it just has to start small, but we make room to listen to our heartbeat. You said something in one podcast we did, Paul, and I hadn't thought about it for years, but ever since you said it, I hear it now when you hear like the blood pulsing in your ears. I never felt my ears pulsing before, but as soon as you said that, when I get really quiet, I can hear it, right? These are things, they're actually like tangible experiences, like sentient experiences you can have if you get quiet enough just to listen to your very own heartbeat or just to feel your own breath inside you as a miracle of life. And I know there's so many things calling on, whatever, whether it's sports people are into or whatever it is on the news or the media or the devices all the time. But you'd be amazed how just a short amount of time when you make time to connect with your heart in this way, you're connecting with the timeless essence that you are that can attract you and to, that can kind of electromagnetically draw in more artistic experiences, more artistic people in your life, people who are more creative and creators. And that's a pulse that definitely changed in my life when I became more aware and I was transcending, of course, some things in my life that were challenging at the time. I also, there, there was nothing from this realm, like the regular daily life experience that was helping me through those challenges. So I remember when I was just beginning to, to open and expand this connection with my heart and with spirit, I remembered saying, show me spirit, show, show me, you know, reveal to me. I'm open. My eyes are open. If I miss it, help me to see it. Come back again. If I miss the message signal me again in another way and always that happens so if i miss the hawk on the first visit right it will come back for another one whether it's the same day or a couple days later we don't miss things if we're communicating that we want to see them it's the kind of in our default setting a lot of us because life on earth has been so challenging for so many centuries of time for many of us we kind of said i want to turn that off it's too much to feel that much and, and be here. But now is the reversal process. Like you said, we are turning right side up. We do need to turn our heart centers back on, which means learning the language of sentience and symbology and our sensory abilities that go beyond the five senses and being engaged in conversations like this. So as an example, just as a great contrast, somebody can watch like the Super Bowl and make time for that. But we need to, I believe we need to be making time for podcasts like this because we need to feed and nourish the soul and the spirit of ourselves and this humanity to rise, to ascend through these challenging times and come out the other side. That, like you said, you can talk all about the tissues and the intelligence that's in the heart. We are designed to 
be functioning at a much higher level than our global humanity is. And we just need to recognize that and say we've been missing the cues and sign us up for spirituality 101, right? Or sentience 101 or symbology 101. That's part of what we want these literacy chats to be. And, um, and that's what they are going to be, which is just giving people back the language that is their first nature and, letting, and, and inviting people to allow that into their experience, that you experience it as your first nature. So baby steps for sure, but baby steps can create quantum leaps, can't they, Paul? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes, and 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 you, and like you said, we, we you don't you don't have to go on a mountain and meditate. You know, I mean, and it, it is really as simple as just taking a breath. But even what you what you just stated, you do have to invite it into your life. You have to actually make a formal petition. Mm. somehow or another you have to allow it to enter into your life into this 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 higher realm of knowing and you can only do that if unless you can't do that unless you actually ask for it to happen yes and free the big part of that is right. the free free will we've been given so and if, you if you're not invitation, yes you have to prepare yourself you have to you, and it's as simple as just really it's as simple as just show me like you said it's, it's that simple show me like i am open to seeing deeper and bigger and having more joy in my life so show me when i was beginning to channel a person who was a mentor to me that was part of the prayer as a channel that if i misperceive the message that you're giving to me please correct me show me again these are very small sentences but they're very powerful because you're letting spirit know you want the truth you want to know the truth. And, and chances are when we're first starting out, we do misperceive. We're trying. We're opening. The gears are rusty. We haven't done this in a really long time. And getting the heart and the mind connected, it's quite a journey. But if we are willing and we exercise that free will and we make those conscious choices to say, I, I want to cultivate this relationship with spirit, with my higher self, with God's source, the living universe, whatever our language is, and we ask to be shown, and we can ask to be course corrected if we are somehow off base, right? If we're going down, uh, we misperceived it, and we that's creating some kind of a distortion in our, in our perceptions. We can ask to be shown, help me, help me get back on the right path, the highest good path that's for me. So I am communicating all the time. And initially I needed to say the words so much because it wasn't my language. Once it becomes your language, I just show up and I'm in that being state. And when I go out in nature, nature's ready to communicate with me, right? Or they'll summon me outside. <laughs> I'll, I'll feel the message and I'll know I've been summoned outside because there's a meeting that wants to take place. So I don't have to use all the words all the time because it's already become a part of me. Yes, if I'm learning something new or it's still a good practice to use the words and consciously invite it in what exactly we're intending and seeking. And then the universe gets to work to meeting you there. And that's basically God or the higher power or whatever you understand that to be in your own life. Well, we hope that it's God. It could also be something else. And, and that's the reason why you have an ego. 
the ego serves a purpose. The ego is a shield, it's a suit of armor, and it may even be a sword. So <clears throat> don't discount your ego. Your ego is extraordinarily important. We cannot take for face value everything that's being disseminated to us. In the process, in the Western process, or the process that we have developed, we have to still validate everything that we're being told. And that yes. only can be done through an intrinsic process. And, and, and we have various different ways of doing that. But, um, you know, I just because I have a personal vision doesn't necessarily mean it was truthful. I have to validate that it is. So, so love your ego, but understand that it is not the source of the information. The heart is the source of the information. And the ego works in... In, in a beautiful union, in a loving union with that information. And that's how it's, in fact, the ego is, for all intents and purposes, a nightly force. It's a it's a nightly warrior mm. energy. Yes. It's best, in its best, in its best light. And that's what it is. Yes. I think a stressed ego, a stressed out night inside us can misperceive and go attacking right. everything that's around it. Right. Right, exactly, and and that and that can be manipulated. And there's definitely a shadow side to ego, a dark side to ego, which is from from lifetimes of mistakes and lifetimes of programming and lifetimes of distortion. But the, the there's you know in in the psych in psychology they used to always say there's two egos. There's the little ego with the uncapitalized and then there's the big ego capitalized and what we're moving now towards is is the is the resurrection of the true ego and the true ego is supposed to be spiritual it's, it's really logos energy it's it's light energy and so and so we're moving towards that that is our warrior self that is a, that is our nice. individuality and that and that serves it lives in service to, you know, the divine feminine, the the the, the queen, the maiden, the, the divine priestess, whatever it is you want to call it. And so that's that's how balance is struck. And in in the in the in the days of the true days of true chivalry, the knights were useless unless they were unless they had a champion. That champion was always the divine feminine being. Wow. So the woman who manifests that, who channel that energy. And so that's how this works. Wow. That all of those things. I mean, I think we'll just continue on the journey of these conversations together, Paul, because that divine feminine energy and frequency and principle, that's also something that needs to come back into the conversation because we've got these imbalances going on between the head and the heart and we are having to integrate a realm of duality and come back into a kind of integrated wholeness. And that's, that's a big part of the rising hero's journey. It's a big part of the work that you are here to do as a soul on the planet, Paul. And I am too. And I think that's why I just, I love our connection so much and the things where we can journey, we're explorers. That's what we do. We explore and we, we share the things that we've learned and know as Jules from the journey for to help people as like stepping stones in theirs. That's also what you do is you, you kind of pay it forward. 
Um, you know, you share the hero in the great return begins to share the things that they learn to help others, right? In in a in in service. So this is a great service, Whole Soul School and Foundation. It it there is a heartbeat and a heart and soul to what we do here. And I just I'm so blessed to have amazing friends and beings on, uh, on these podcasts with me who will go into these realms with me and explore these things and try and break it down into as much as we can bite-sized morsels that people, whether you're, you know, very beginning in the journey or whether you are a seasoned veteran, we're all learning from each other all the time right? It's an ongoing conversation. And, and that's the kind of conversation that might be 24 seven that I, I, parts of me do like to play with, right? Because that's where the expansion is happening at the level of soul. So, so thank you, Paul. Thank you for joining me. Let's do this again. Of course we will. And I want to thank our listeners for joining us. And we invite you to think about just the things that we seeded in this conversation today, language, sentience, symbology, um, listening for the meaning and the messages and the messengers in your life. And if you just are open to saying that kind of prayer, that intention to spirit, your higher self, show me, you know, I'm interested in having more experiences. You can even say, go gently, please, right? <laughs> Gentle messages until I get the hang of this thing. And then maybe I can handle some bigger ones. So join us, find us on our website at wholesoulschoolandfoundation.org and find us on your favorite social media platforms. We're there in a variety of ways, whether it's blogs or inspirational quotes to seed your month's experiences as we're journeying all these energies right now. And then podcasts like these through our Good Vibes Broadcasting messages. And we will see you again real soon. Blessings, everyone.